HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. Register to attend PASA's 31st annual conference by January 28th at pasafarming.org conference. You're listening to Season 2 of Fields, the podcast, with Melissa Metric, Wythe Marshall, and Allie Whist. On Fields, we're bringing you the stories of people who are working in the world of urban agriculture. For money, for fun, for art, for justice, to feed the hungry, to green the city, or to uncover its history. In each episode of Fields, we'll delve into one kind of food that's grown in cities, one technology used to grow food, or one project that teaches us something about our relationship to farming and urban environments. Moreover, we'll investigate all the whys behind getting up in the morning and working as a farmer today. You don't need to be a farmer to enjoy this podcast, or even a foodie. We're going to tell fascinating stories and break down the realities and possible futures of urban farming to their elements, examining each in turn. One note, we've been working on this podcast for a while now, taping a lot of interviews with wonderful farmers and other experts. That means that some materials predates COVID-19. We're still including it because these conversations are as important as ever, maybe more so. Thank you so much for listening. We're here with Tyran Lewis from Hero Urban Farming. My name is Tyran Lewis. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Hero Urban Farming. And um, yeah, so um, I started this back in 2018. Um, I started with um, 10,000 square feet and I have four acres. And, um, and what we do is uh, we, we provide sustainable, healthy produce to those who need the most. And those people that's in food deserts or food apartheid communities. How did you get started? So when did you start an urban farm and, and why did you start an urban farm? Wow. Okay. So, um, so of course, I, I didn't start off as a farmer. Uh, you know, I, I got my background is in um, education. I was a teacher. I was a physical education teacher and a health teacher for the city of St. Louis and other and a, a couple other districts. So all together, I got probably got over 12 years with just substitute teaching and teaching. Um, I did that first initially. Then, um, you know, went on and got my master's and I was um, a manager at a car wash. I was assistant gym at Five Guys. And um, yeah, then I, uh, one day, to be honest with you, uh, I, wanted, I was vegan at one time. This is back 2017. And um, I wanted some fresh produce. So uh, I'm just lucky enough in my community, I do have a grocery store that's, that's, that's in my surroundings. But when I went in there, I wasn't happy to, with what I saw. I mean, I was seeing um, it was the, the selection of fresh produce was bare. It was scarce. Um, didn't look as uh, intriguing as I wanted to look. So I said, you know what? Let me go somewhere else. So I went to Lindell. 
Oh, by the way, it's the same food chain grocery store too. It's, it's a local grocery store that's here. So I went to the, the same chain and I went to like Midtown. Like it's on Lindell, if you're familiar with St. Louis. I went there. Um, it was better. Uh, you know, not quite what I expected, but it was way better than where I came from. So I'm like, you know what? Something told me like I should just t- turn this to a field trip and just go they just go further and further out. So I went to the suburbs um in Clayton, went there, a lot better. I mean, they had fresh produce everywhere. Like, it's not even a hard decision to make, right? So I took one more step and went to the super suburbs, what I call it. So I went out to West County. And when you go out there, like the same chain chain now, the store didn't even look the same, just the structure. This has built. I'm like, man, it doesn't even look, this look more fancier. This with the structure. So I walk in, I was like, I see a winery. I didn't know this. They even have wineries at this chain. Then you got sushi, people cooking live food, just everybody, you know, just intrigue, you know, it's entertainment. You come in, that's what I call it. People, you smell all the different smells and everybody I'm like. Man, it's weird. Like, why it's not like that in my community? I mean, we like good stuff and nice stuff, too. People where I live at, why can't we have that? So I just told myself I want to do something about it. And I did, you know. Um, that was, so that was 2017. And when I started, I actually just started growing food for me and my family. I mean, we just, you know, I was just growing stuff. It was some vacant lots across the street. And, um, and this LRA property. I think that stands for Land Revitalization Association, I think. But anyway, uh, I purchased... Um, um, three plot. It was three houses that was built in this plot, and I purchased for five dollars for five years. It's a garden lease, as long as you grow food. So I did that, and then you know people start talking to me, asking me questions. Uh, people I never talked to ever when I lived. I was there three years prior to that, and no one was really speaking to me. So uh, you know everybody was standing to themselves, but they was talking to me, asking me questions, asking me what I'm growing, what I'm doing, and all that. So I started answering them questions. Then man, I seen light bulb went in my head. Basically, I was like, wow. So um, people want this stuff. You know, it's, it's a demand for this. Uh, I just didn't need somebody to supply it. And that's what I did, basically. I started from there. That's so cool. That's really cool that in, in just a few years, you were able to go from like, I'm going to do something for myself, my family, to like, it's a farm business, right? Like this is, are you yeah. full time today? Yeah, yeah. I went I'll fit full down, full time officially last year. Um, kind of forced to do it, really. COVID happened um, at the time. Um, I was teaching at a, at a school district and they kind of got me out of retirement because I was just subbing. And they was like, man, these kids like you. I was there for a month, a month assignment back in like October of 2019. And they was like, man, you just stay for the whole school year. The kids like you. I mean, we never, it's rarely we get subs that, you know, used to be teachers. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So I did it. Uh, March came along. COVID came, you know, that all that stuff happened. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go. And I was still at Five Guys too. The Five Guys kind of laid me off too. Basically, come out. So I was like, all right, so um, I'm going to do this, you know, full fledged. And I did. And it's crazy because COVID, like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you get, you find, you know, you find gems out of bad situations. You know, even diamonds, you know, got to go through the fire, you know, to be shiny. So, uh, so during the pandemic, you know, people can start being more, you know, um, interested in growing food, you know, about the importance of food. And that just kind of like helped me out really. Uh, this opportunity came, people was more, was really paying attention to this stuff. Um, and yeah, and I just, just, you know, everything just rolled in like that. That's awesome. I mean, you know, yeah, you got to do something positive out of COVID, uh, in general. And so why not, you know, start a farm or go, go full time. Um, what is, what does the name, uh, mean? Does it mean anything? What, what is Hero? Oh uh, yeah, so um, 
Um, Heru means uh, King Liberator. So my spiritual name is Heru the Jedi Adelaide. That means the crown triumph through the strength of a king. So uh, I got that name back in 2018. So uh, so basically, uh, with my with my with my name, my business, Heru. Um, basically, I liberate my people through food. I liberate the people through food. So uh, so yeah, that's what and that's basically what I'm doing. You know, liberate people, uh, making them feel better, teaching them, educating them. You know, it's, it's more to it than just the selling piece. Uh, you know, it's, it's outreach piece to it as well. Uh, you know, for example, I got some workers right now. I, I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to hire my first full-time employee that I'm actually paying instead of, you know, paying on the table, things like that. So I'm actually going to pay somebody now. And uh, and that that was helped through the UMPS. I was an accelerator, too. I was in the UMPS DEI program. And that was the first time, uh, uh, my uh, you know, black entrepreneurs. And they gave us $50,000. You know, and then that 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 mean that helped. You know, it helped me with some capital that I didn't have. You know, uh, you know, purchase a lot of equipment like Caterpillar tunnels, getting me a worker. You know, things of that nature. Um, also, Slate, which stands for St. Louis Agency for Training and Employment. Yeah, got that right. So, uh, so that's in St. Louis, and uh, basically they pay the youth, seventeen to twenty-seven years old, to work for you. And uh, you know, it was a lot of a lot of people I know was also, also worked for Slate when they was kids. They was young. Um, so I, they give me 10 workers. So that's cool. But the thing about that is, you know, you, you employing a youth and a lot of them live live in the community that need, you know, that need, uh, they need help or whatever and assistance. But not only that, you know, it's not even just a growing food piece. It's just a mentoring piece, you know, just talking to the youth, you know, getting to know them. Um, they talking to you, they feeling comfortable with you. Uh, you know, just every day just talking, you know, you know, so, um, I like that more than anything is you no know, building a rapport with the youth, you know, and uh, really getting to know know them and know you know how they operate and you know what type of um, you know um, help they need. So I, I like that part of it more than anything. That's cool. So I think that's a good point that like in terms of helping urban farms, like something you needed to get going was just a little bit of capital to make it a full time business, make it successful, mm-hmm. um, and that that like made a difference. So these accelerators, like, I mean, that sounds very transformative anyway for someone getting going in urban farming to be able to access, um, you know, the tools they need really to to grow at a scale where they can sell. And I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious about um, that transition and how did you develop the farm business? And I saw on your site, it looks like you were doing CSA or community supported agriculture. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of curious about the business and how, how you got operating and how it's working today for you. And maybe, right. I don't know, Melissa or Ali, if you guys have sort of follow-on questions to that. But. All right, cool. So um, I kind of like, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I was actually in three accelerators to get me where I'm at right now. So the first accelerator I was in back in um, 2019, 18, um, it was um, Balsa Foundation. So that was cool, but that was like a startup, you know, uh, for all startup companies. And I was just, I just had a plan and idea. You know, I didn't really have nothing going on then. So I, I went in there, they helped me start off. And that was, that was just good for the point that I was at. Um, the stage I was at with my business. Um, after that, I had an accelerator called We Power, and that was in uh, 2020. Uh, from uh, I think it was six month program, and that was cool. Uh, that was good from the time I was in. They like kind of like helped me. I got my website together with them. Uh, you know, helped me. Uh, you know, get some uh, legal advice. You know, helped me with my marketing. Helped me set up. You know, all my behind the scene paperwork stuff that you need to start a business. So that was cool. So then after that, I was, a, I was, a, and also the We Power was a, that was for first time entrepreneurs as well, um, black and Latinx. And that was cool. And then I was in another one with the UMSU. That was first time black entrepreneur one. 
with, with getting that chunk of money. So I, I and that was cool. I kind of like I'm part of history back to back, I guess. <laughs> so uh, being a part of two accelerators for the first time, you know, I was just blessed just to be in that situation. You know, the universe just looked out for me. Uh, so yeah, so I did all that just to help me, you know, build build my structure. So then, um, so when you talk about the CSA, CSA is, is one ways how we make money, which that stumbled on me too. I kind of, I wanted to stay away from CSA, but then COVID kind of made that happen because, you know, you got people in the house, uh, you know, so I did a lot of deliveries. Uh, I had like 19 deliveries, you know. Uh, so yeah, so I had to just adjust. So I made my adjustments. But um, the cool thing about my CSAs is, which is a community supported agriculture, which is basically a food subscription. Uh, my customers, uh, so that's a, a lot of farmers like that because it's upfront money. You know, they pay it upfront. And you get like mine goes for 12 weeks. So every Friday they get accumulation of what I harvest and it goes in like a mesh um, bag, like a mesh grocery store bag that you get like all these or something like that. So I, I stuff it up with that. And uh, but like, what's cool about it is every five I sell, I donate to a family in need. So I think that's cool. Uh, so basically that's kind of like help out everybody a little because, you know, sometimes that money up front, you can get more, more of your suburban um, customers that get that. But they, but that helps out. The people that that's in food apartheid neighborhoods, because every five I sell, they get one. So uh, that kind of like I help, I create like an ecosystem, I guess, you know, um, help everybody out. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that. We're going to roll that out in June, actually. The CSA started in May, but June's when the, uh, the the donated 12-week period started, you know, when that's when everything, which is June now. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll be rolling out, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, and we'll start doing that with the families. So I'm excited about that. Um, also, we sell at Farmer's Markets as well. So, uh, so Thursday we harvest for Friday, which is the uh, CSAs, and Friday we harvest for Farmers Market. So with Farmers Market, uh, I'm excited. It's a new Farmers Market that's on the north side in a food apartheid community. And it's called um, Be Well uh, Farmers Market, and it's on 2027 Salisbury here in St. Louis. Uh, so that's cool. This is this will be the fifth week coming up this Saturday for that. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, also, um, I, I sell to North Surf Food Hub. Which is uh, uh I like I like that that's that's ran by Hosco Foods and actually one of my uh, farm locations is on Confluence Farm, so everything they grow goes to North Star Food Hub and North Star Food Hub they they sold over two hundred fifty well I'm not sold they fed over two hundred fifty thousand families last year during COVID so uh you know so I sell them produce too and if I have some left over I sell like some local restaurants you know no small business things of that nature um uh, so yeah that's basically how the, how the business run you know. And like I say, a lot of my capital came from accelerators and grants. So I wrote my own grants, you know. Um, I think, you know, and networking. I think all that uh, plays in the part. You know, you got to you gotta know people, network with people, you know. That's important. You know how they say it's not, not about what you know, but who you know. Um, you know, and that's true um, so most of the time. Um, you know, now I'm doing that. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been tightening up my skills as well. So I done took permaculture classes, um, herbalism classes, uh, even though, it's in my bloodline by me being a fifth generational former, uh, you know, so it's in my bloodline, but I still got to hone my skills too, you know, and make it a little better. And I'm always learning, you know, my dad always told me, if you ain't learning, you did, you know, because you always got to learn uh, no matter what. Um, a kid could teach you something just like an old person could teach you something. So, you know, you never, you always learn. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, it, it is interesting. It sounds like a lot of stuff is new that's happening, but as you said, you're, you're a fifth generation farmer and yeah. um, you're in what I think of as, I mean, I know St. Louis is a big city, but I mean, the surrounding region has got to have a lot of farms, right? So I mean, it seems like there's this tension between, you know, large agrarian farms 
and some new ideas, new uh, new access to capital, new access to these accelerators, training, um, and this focus on supporting local smaller farms, maybe urban farms. So um, I don't know. That's just that's just kind of a reflection. I guess my question is, you know, uh, it, it, I guess I have two questions there. One is like, what is it like to be a fifth generation farmer? And it, it, you weren't initially a farmer, so you're kind of coming back into that identity. It sounds like a little bit. Yeah. And you know, does that is that something you reconnect with in terms of people in your family or like local farms around? Um, and then separately, you know, what's, I guess, you know, follow up is like, what's going on with this movement this, the support, is that nude or is that just, um, you know, you're, it's new to you, but it, but it sounds like there's a lot of support now for, for the local food movement. And I mean, I don't think that's necessarily just in St. Louis, but you know, that sounds really dynamic. Yeah. So, um, interesting. So like with, with me being a fish rated of fifth generational farmer, it's funny because I didn't know that till 2018. I mean, I knew my family grew food. I mean, my great grandma was growing food in our backyard, uh, but she's my great grandma. So when I was born, she was already old. You know what I mean? She died 101. So she was like, I knew she had gardens and stuff, but she wasn't really doing it when I was born. But um, I, I knew, you know, I knew we were sharecroppers, things of that nature. You know, I knew all that, but I didn't know to what extent, you know, until I went to, until I started what I was doing. That's why it's funny how stuff always come right at the right time. But um, so I was down in the family union and then um, I was talking, you know, I seen articles and stuff they was talking about, man, my great uncle, which is my great grandma brother. Um, he was a uh, in 1939. He was a part of an all black co op um, down in Lamar County in Paris, Texas. Now this is 1939 in Texas, like that's kind of unheard of at that time, you know. And they uh, they purchased uh, I believe 24 acres, and they all they grew was tomatoes, you know. That was a co op. Then him and his son uh, Minor Washington and his son Ernest Washington uh, from 1950 to 52 in um, in Texas State first. They won first and second place in probably every bean or pea category from 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 50 to 52. Um, popcorn, watermelon, uh, corn, whatever. Crowder peas, black hull peas, I mean purple hull peas, black eyed peas. Like they ran that. So I was like, wow, they like first and second in everything. And sometimes they switch. Sometimes the son had first and the daddy had second. So I was like, wow, that's cool. So that's significant to me. I kind of like build my confidence really. And um, you know, I, it's like a spiritual aspect to it too. So. Um, I ask for their help. You know, I believe in altars. I got ancestor altars, uh, money altars too. But you know, I believe in that. So I pull my libations and um, you know, call on them to help me. You know, you know when I need some help, and they 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 always right on time. So uh, you know, um, a lot of people around me say I got the touch. So man, like some stuff I don't even know what I be doing. Like <laughs> I took a permaculture class, and I was telling them like, yeah, I remember when I first started, I ain't seen no bees. So I put some some sunflowers there and some roses. I'm like, man, I guess the bees will come and get on that and get on my food. You know, and I took Q-tips and I took, I didn't know what was the male or the female then, but I was taking it and doing this. And, you know, then I went to class and they like, man, you was doing permaculture. You didn't even know. They're like, yeah, I mean, it just made sense to me. I mean, ain't no bees here. Put some flowers, they're going to bring the bees. Okay, there we go. It's not germinate. It's not, um, you know, uh, cross-pollinating from. I'm a cross-pollinated myself. I'm going to take a Q-tip and do it. Yeah, I, I just think that just makes sense. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so just stuff like that is just natural. And then when you um you said you made reference to support uh beforehand, it wasn't really that much support. Well, the thing with St. Louis is it's like the resources too. Like some people gotta know the resources. So sometimes there'd be resources out there, but we nobody know about it. So we had gotta have somebody to tell you, right? And um, I think more people have been paying attention because of the COVID. I think that helped it out. And it is accelerated things out there, but I think it really got big within the last year or two, just me for my opinion. I just came at the right time, you know. Uh and that's all I'm gonna attribute that to, for real. Just the right time. So, um, but I, like I say, it, it's it's a national thing right now. 
uh, you know, people just being more consciously aware of what they eat and what they put in their body and things of that nature. Um, I have I have a quick question in reference to that. Um, so on on your website, it says that 84 percent of the crops that like of the farms around um, where you are, 84 percent of those farms um, pretty much are growing corn and soy. And most of that is going to animal feed. So yeah, where where do you find um, Heru Farm kind of um, opposing that or or doing something different? Right. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh and, and that's that's with urban farmers too. Like everything like is local, you know. I mean it's it's the best source, your urban your local urban farms, you know, because you getting the food that's right in your in your climate, in your area. We don't have to ship it nowhere, it's fresh and man, that's taste uh, that's like night and day taste. That what really got me to love it. When I first taste some lettuce that I grew, man, I ain't no lettuce had a taste to it. I mean, like really, man, I put my when I bit my first tomato that I grew. Oh, man, just the taste alone. Like, why wouldn't you want something that's local and fresh and something you get? But that's a good a good thing. Like, yeah, 84% of the of the farmland here, food here is used for animal feed and food processing. That's basically corn or whatever else they use to feed, you know, they uh, livestock. Um, also, um, uh, most of our food comes from over 12,000 miles away. So that's places like California. You know, Texas, stuff like that. You know, you know they got to they got to harvest it early just to make it come here on time and all that. So the quality is um is not the same because it's coming from so far away. Um, less than one percent of the food grown in Missouri stays in Missouri for people to eat. So that's less than one percent. So I think the urban farmers, you know, they fill in that gap, filling that niche, you know, that that that's needed. You know, uh, what else is a crazy stat I heard? Yeah, like um over um. Uh, Seven hundred thousand people in the in the metropolitan uh, area, uh, in the, well, in the city of St. Louis, don't have um, sustainable food within a half mile of their neighborhood. And if it does, like where I live, it does. However, the comparing that to the same grocery store in a better, well-to-do neighborhood is going to be night and day as well. So you know, um, so yeah, all that plays a part in it. And um, like I say, with food apartheid, like I said, I think. The difference between food apartheid and food desert, food desert is naturally. No, that's natural. You think about desert, you know, just the common sense of the word, desert, natural. So food apartheid is done deliberately. Like, we got a gas station on every other corner, and all they do is sell processed foods. Like, like that's the grocery store, especially if you don't have transportation. Or your family dollar and your dollar general. Another can stuff, you know, froze up. You know, and they try, you know, dollar general, you know, they got stuff that's in there that's vegan or whatever. But, you know, you know, I, you know I'm not going to. Um, shoot them down like that because that's not really what they do food but they know it's no grocery stores around here so hey i might as well sell some food i mean that's just that's just a part of the game i mean that's a good move for them but they didn't initially was selling food but they they know like we in a neighborhood they don't have grocery store they going to gas station get anyway we might as well sell it too and i'm um, actually down general you probably get better stuff in there than you with a gas station but yeah so all that's going on all that play a part in it you know what's going on so uh i just feel like you know if i could just help out just a little bit in my own little way yeah, I can make it a little better. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. For 30 years, PASA's conference has served as a springboard for transformative food system change. PASA's 2022 conference features more than 30 virtual and 90 in-person sessions on farming and food systems, covering topics that include building community food webs, keeping seeds to preserve cultural traditions, protecting local watersheds, as well as production methods and business skills for food producers of all levels. Keynote speakers include Soulfire Farms' Leah Peniman, 
author of Farming While Black, Sarah Mock, author of Farm and Other Efforts, and Jessica Gordon-Nemhard, author of Collective Courage, A History of African-American Cooperative Economic Thought and Practice. PASA's virtual pre-conference takes place January 4th through 28th. Register anytime to attend live or get recordings. You can also join PASA in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on February 10th through 12th for its in-person main conference. Comprehensive COVID safety measures will be in place. Learn more and register at pasafarming.org slash conference. That's P-A-S-A farming.org slash conference. You articulate the difference between a food apartheid and a food desert, which I think is really um, important for our listeners and really important in terms of the role of urban farms. Um, And you spoke a little bit about this in terms of how you networked in your own community and also how you can leverage the capital coming from suburban communities to then be able to provide more food. But um, broadly, what is your kind of vision for how urban agriculture can transform urban communities and how does it, how could it play a role in social justice movements kind of broadly? Yeah, so um, I, I think, it, it, like, like I said, with the numbers I just uh, sped off about, you know, uh, we got good farmland here. Like most of our stuff just, you know, go to animals and stuff like that. I think the urban farms is 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 more, um, I guess, um, suitable, I guess, for uh, for inner city because it's right there, local farmers markets. You're getting the food from your city, from your community. And that helps out with a lot of ways. I mean, it helps out, of course, economically because you can try to, you know, create some jobs. Um, also, the health will be better. Uh, you got the fresh produce and it's local. Uh, you know, uh, what else? And then, like me, I do honey too. So I do I do the bees. And, you know, and that's healthy too because, you know, you got the bees in your zip code and your city where you at. So I just think all around it just help health. It'll help, uh, you know, just positive energy, you know, bring life to where you at. Just a little simple stuff like that. Bring a build community, people talking to each other. You know, Farmers Mark, you get a lot of conversations going. You know, and people just coming in and you know, like 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 example, when I started my garden, nobody was even talking to me. You know, like and I started that people talking to me now. You know, like that alone, you know, people coming to me saying, Man, the energy different, you know, stuff like that. I think that's more important than even than even or just as important as even the food. Is just building rapport with your fellow neighbor and you know, and putting a face on people, eyes on people, you know, people that you overlook. Um, you know, I I, I take it from that angle. And uh, yeah, I, I just think we just need. I'm, I'm an advocate for small pocket farming, you know, urban farming, small pocket, uh, you know, farmers markets, knowing where your food come from, you know, uh, even even community. Hopefully, that'll lead to community led grocery stores. You know, I know we got groups here and locally that's, that's talking about stuff in Fairground Park and neighbors like that. We need community uh ran grocery stores or food hubs, however you want to call it or design it. But I think the community should. Uh, you know, should have a piece of that too as well. Um, I think that design might start uh, um, showing its head and, um, you know, and you could probably um, um, knock off those chain grocery stores. All they're about is the book and, uh, and see if we could change that. And, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers, but uh, to me that feels good and it seems right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of, it's kind of interesting because you mentioned like in your past and your ancestors how they were a part of um, co-ops, like farm co-ops and things like that, and also the idea of possibly like the supermarket co-ops, right? So 
Um, we, we definitely want to ask you about like, you know, next steps and like the future of your firm and things like that. But have you also thought about kind of going into that realm as well in, into that realm of co-ops? It sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> already. Like, oh my yeah. God, like the CSA <laughs> and the farmer's yeah. market and uh-huh. the bees and the honey. You got, you got a lot going on. Definitely have a lot going on. But have you thought about kind of going into that realm as well, like in the future of like doing some kind of farm co-op or or food co-op, like a supermarket co-op or something like that? Yeah, um, I, I thought about it. And yeah, I am busy, man. <laughs> but it's all good. Though. It's a good busy. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of part of a farm co-op now, if you want to, in, in a certain way. Um, I'm, I'm here with farming, but I'm farming on Confluence Farms and Confluence Farms. All they food go to North Sarah Food Hub, but um, I I sell to them um as well. Um, you got growing um people growing food that's on that location. She got like a a, a healing um she got like a lamorous. She grows things and um she is like she got a lot of she does stuff with women and you know healing type of things. Um, I just uh you know moved my uh, watermelon operation to that site as well. So now so I don't have three locations. I have two. So I, I guess I'm kind of doing that now, right over there, right? So yeah, uh, so that's that. Uh, you know, co-ops. I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, um, I definitely um, thought about that as well. Uh, you know, a neighborhood ran grocery stores, and I supply, or me and some other former supply to that grocery store. Um, but also, what I'm doing, man, I'm trying to build a family thing too. So I got my little cousin working for me. My nephew gonna start working for me uh, next week. So I'm trying to build that too as well. And uh, and my end game is I want a homestead for real, uh. So that that will probably be not at least somewhere, but um, not more than a hundred miles out the city. And I my food is still come here, but I need I need space. You know I need some rural space. Um, so I like ideal for me to have a farm. I mean a homestead with fifty acres. Uh, grow my veggies, my watermelon. Uh, have have um retreats. Um, there you know spiritual retreats there. Um, have my, uh, my nursery there, you know, have my fruit trees and people come and pick them yourself. Like that whole little, uh, field, you know, uh, that's how I want it. Like really, you know, like that, have my chickens. I have livestock, I have my chickens, goats, my sheep might not do cow, but you know, sheep and goat for real. I wanted to do goat and chicken this year. I'm just so busy. I can't do it right now, but I'm going to do it though. That's next to my plate. I just, I just, I just can't be stretched thin, but, uh, but yeah, but that's what I really want to get into that. Like a full fledged former you know <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean that's like that all sounds awesome and I, I imagine some of it is um just like you're saying like getting access to land like if you had more land and you like owned it or had a long-term lease or whatever a good deal yeah. is different i imagine i'm just i mean tell me if this is right than having two three plots and yeah. you know it's less stable um so i imagine that's also part of that idea of like what does it take to have an urban farm we have to have access to land you know what how could people support well, they could, you know, land trust could work to to get new farmers access to land. Yeah. So some of these things are trying to think like what from your experience, you know, what can what can farmers in other cities learn basically from what you've been able to accomplish? Because it sounds like you've been able to do a lot in a short period of time and are having a lot of fun, which I think is really important. You know, you can just oh, hear. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and that you have all these plans for expansion. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, would you have any sort of tips for, for urban farmers, people interested in, in, you know, whether it's amateur moving toward professional, you know? What are some things they should sort of look out for? Um, you know, okay. do's don'ts. Well, for, well, first and foremost, you want to grow what you like and what you eat. You know, give you make you make it fun. You know, what you like to eat, uh, what you comfortable with. So we start there first, and um, 
And start small. Don't go big because it'll catch up with you. You go, you go, you go too far ahead. It's good to have your big dreams and all that, but especially if you don't have any help or you got that much help, trust me, start small. It's going to be enough. You know what I'm saying? You didn't want to waste any food either, right? So uh, so that's that. But um, advice I get is, like, like I said, my situation is different. So I don't know if all cities like this, but figure out, like, what's your accelerators out there? You know, it's accelerators. I know, I know St. Louis is big on accelerators, but I know other cities might have them too for, for entrepreneurs, first-time entrepreneurs. See what's up with, like, search around. Like, normally... Your local, your local universities usually have the connections with the um, with the accelerators or uh, you know uh, things like that. So I'll do your research on that. Uh, probably check into your local uh, small business, um, I guess like your SBA or whatever like that, and try to figure out what accelerators out there. That's number one. Look into grants. There's a lot of grants over there. Um, there's a lot of grants that grants that you don't have to pay back. You know things of that nature. So look into grants. You know. Um, if you, if you need some workshop to tighten up on your skills on writing grants, you can do that. Um, you know, I didn't have no training in grant writing. Um, I just, uh, you know, just had the confidence that I can do it. I mean, I just, like, I just did it. I mean, what else going to happen? I mean, either I'm going to get it or I'm not. Um, networking is about who you know. Like, go to these events. Go visit other farmers uh, that's local to you. Visit some, do some uh, community service at some local urban, urban gardens or urban farms. But I think if anybody grow food as a farm, I call gardening and we just got flowers. So you growing food, you can have two squash plants. You a farmer to me. Um, so yeah, so go check out that. Uh, you know, get, get your hands dirty. The first one know if that's really what you want to do, you know. So you want to go and volunteer and help out. So I, I think, you know, to be honest with you, it's, it's simple as that. To me, like networking about who you know, find out what accelerators is out there that you could join, uh, look into some grants, uh, volunteer, uh, do some outreach work. And then, you know, in one of those um, um, circles, you'll find, you'll, you'll, you'll be some opportunities in there. You'll learn something. And then, yeah, start from there. That's awesome. I love the idea that, yeah, anyone growing food as a farmer, you don't have to worry too much about these labels. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You grow food, man. You farm it. I don't care you got it in buckets, you know. <laughs> yeah, you disrespecting the plant, man. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, I mean, because, you know, M- Melissa, your farm's pretty small at NYU, right? I mean, do the, I don't know, like this whole question of like, who's a farmer, who's a gardener? I feel like it comes up all well, the time. Like, You know, it's interesting. It's small, but right now I'm really late in planting everything. So mm. I'm like, it's big right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's really big. Once you have all that space, you're like, and you got to plant everything and harvest yeah. everything. You're like, you know, small is kind of relative. Like, yeah. it's, right now it seems really big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're kind of behind. But, that's, that's why I told people to start small when you've been messing with food, man. Trust me. And sometimes you can put too much in your plate. And then, so, um, yeah, just start small. You know you can do that. Get your confidence up. Then you can move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Well, I think uh, one last, you know, I, I always have more questions. But, like, mm-hmm. one, one question I had to go from the small to the big is, you know, what thoughts would you have on, like, just broadly, the whole nation, the whole world? Like, what, what should be done? What are some bigger ways, like, politicians yeah. could help? Um, the average, you know, the, the average shopper could help. Like you talked about some real systemic divides in neighborhoods, you know, in geography in terms of, um, not just as you said, food access, but like the experience of food and the, the look even of the stores, you know, that kind of infrastructure. Um, I mean, that is, that's ultimately also about, you know, access, access to capital, um, and, and stuff that goes back years and years. But I mean, do you have any, any broader thoughts or things you'd like to see or any, anybody that's inspired you? I mean, you could take the question however you want. I, I'm not, mm. I'm not putting you on the spot to like no, solve all of America's food problems, but you know. Mm. Wow. Oh, that's a good question. Um, first thing I'd like to say, um, uh, support local, you know, uh, 
it's like, you know, you mean going to form when you go to farmers markets and things of that nature, you know, you know, know your former, you know, know their practices, you know. Uh, you know, I do organic practices. So, you know, I don't use any pesticides, nothing like that. Uh, I like using beneficial plants to bring in beneficial bugs, to eat the bad bugs, you know, um, stuff like marigold, you know, mint, uh, rosemary, um, Irish spring soap in, in a sock and keep the raccoons out. Uh, man, uh, you know, uh, sunflowers, you know, they bring in, you know, your beneficial bugs or little stuff like that. So just know your farmer, you know, support local. Uh, you know, to me, I mean, I, it, it was a saying that say, um, life is easy, it's understood wrong. And I really believe that, you know. Um, it's just real simple, you know. Just do, like, you you know what's right or wrong, right? But sometimes, uh, you know, I know certain circumstances, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, if you know something not right, for example, like 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 the, like I was um, telling you about the, the same grocery store that in my neighborhood, and you go out to the suburbs night and day. If you know that, you know, you should you know, hold them accountable for it, you know? Like, you know, like why is, you know, people, we need other people other than the people that's suffering from it to speak up. And I think it's, it's getting there. You know, we got a lot of work, but it's still getting better. So, you know, you know, so I think we need a voice of the people that's not getting done to, you know? And they and they, they can talk and they're like, okay. So they they tell me so they can see them and hear them and they can look at that, you know? Uh, it's a lot of things, you know? Um, it's the politics you know politicians for example uh your local politicians the ones that allow certain businesses to come in so if you know that we got a we got a gas station two blocks up right you can put another one like right right across there. that stuff so it don't make sense you know so i don't know uh if you know it's not any uh grocery stores locally try to help the community build a community uh ran grocery store like you know we need to help too and most of the stuff is funded really and um and who you know and what kind of resources you have. So um, no, do I have all the all the answers? Nah, you know, but uh, you know, just certain certain stuff just makes sense, you know. And we don't have to overthink it, you know. It, like I say, life easy is understood wrong. You know, you put too much energy in overthinking, I think. Yeah, man. I mean, I I'd vote for you, uh, for one, if you want <laughs> if I lived in uh, St. Louis, you were running for for something. Uh, but but you know, that makes me think because you're doing all this on your, it sounds like a lot of it's on your own with, with support now, which is great. But, you know, um, is it also connecting with other farmers and rediscovering as a community about food and trying to connect with, um, you know what I mean? Like talking to your customers, but also other farmers. And oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe some sort of shift where, you know, is, is there some alliance or, or are you part of like local, um, you know, groups of farmers? Like have you joined, you know, Young Farmers Coalition and anything like that? Oh, cool. um, are you interested in anything like that? You know what I mean. I am a part. It sounds of known, like you are. Yeah, I'm a part of Known and Grown. Um, so it's a, it's a it's an organization here that focuses on uh, you got to be a local farmer, no matter it's urban or you know rural, within a hundred mile or fifty mile radius, I believe, of, of St. Louis. So it's a lot of um, and they've been doing a lot, man. They help us with marketing. They they put us out there. You know, they give us tips and hook us up with Missouri Extension. So they do a lot for us. Um, you know. Um, but it's putting us out there and just supporting on things we need and collaborations. You know, uh, I might have something in another form of growth I don't have. You know, we do stuff like that, barter and things of that nature. That's cool. I'm also part of um, Slow Food St. Louis. Uh, you know, uh, so that's you know we 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 focus on locally uh, local products. That's even, that could be from anything from meat, vegetables, fruit, whatever. Just local local business, local stuff, stuff from here. So we fo- they focus a lot. We focus a lot on that. So I'm part of that organization too. Uh, uh, also, 
um, outside of those two, uh, we do do collab. We do get help. Like uh, I got organizations like Evolve. Um, then, then that's a nonprofit um, that help us out. Uh, um, Tasha Phoenix run that. She helped me out with a lot of resources, throwing resources my way for me to, uh, you know, get grants. I learned, I learned from forums at Confluence Forums. I mean, I learned from, uh, you know, we got, we got other forums that motivate me like Ujima, uh, you know, uh, oh, I can't think of the sister name is on the east side right now. Oh, it's going to kill me. But, uh, but yeah, it's just it's different forms that motivate me and we work with each other too. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of that going on right now. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, we've asked about, you know, their, how you're involved in community and, thing like, and things like that and all the resources that you've had and all the help you've had. But it's really interesting just to hear your story as an entrepreneur, as creating this business, this, this um, farming business in general, and also just... Um, also, it's it's it is kind of interesting to hear about how you were a teacher and how you're like bringing that in and kind of teaching the youth as well. But also just your overall kind of um, business and system and everything that you have going on and how much and how much work you've actually done. You know, like like without you know, yeah, sure you've had all these resources and things like that, but like how much you are doing, like you are doing a lot, which just sounds really incredible. Um, and and just all the work that that's put into it, but also that that positive kind of energy that you kind of are putting into it, and and this kind of um, just uh, the, the energy just to kind of do it and and keep on expanding and all these other things. So it's also just really great just to hear your story as an entrepreneur, the work that you're doing, the business that you've created, and in like kind of a small amount of time, right? So it's kind of really incredible just to hear this in general. So. So personally, I just wanted to say, our, our four fields, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, um, man, gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't even think of it. I mean, I don't, it's, it's days where it is rough, you know, it's hard. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm like, my dad was a hard worker. So, you know, it just come natural. Yeah. So, uh, yep, just try to do what I can do. That's all. <clears throat> but thank you. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I mean, one thing that, occurs to me is, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know much about St. Louis, but um, I'm very curious and it seems like there is this thriving ecosystem. So if there's other folks you think we should talk to, I mean, we, we live in New York, so we basically started the show there, but you know, um, we're happy to talk to other people. So if you think there's people doing cool work or, you know, can highlight other aspects of this uh, convergent or confluent, you know, food system where you have, have different people supporting each other uh, and reconnecting to food production and, and even in an urban environment, um, you know, I think, I'd definitely be open to that and be curious to, to hear what else is going on and, you know, have you back on. Um, but yeah, uh, let's, uh, I, I guess just to say, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Tyran Lewis of Heyru Urban Farming in St. Louis. And uh, yeah, where can people find you if they want to know more? Uh, what's the best way to connect uh, both if they're in St. Louis and if they're just like a curious, you know, curious person in New York somewhere else, they just want to learn more. Oh yeah, cool. And um, I I will send some people your way too. Uh, I, I like um, highlighting other people as well. Um, and I want to say thank you for having me as well. Uh, it, uh, it's crazy because like I'm getting a lot of attention and stuff, and um, I, I know people need to know about it, but it's really just something I just want to do, you know. So um, so that's just it's crazy. But anyway, uh, but they can, you can find me at um, Heyru Urban Farming on all social media sites. That's H E R U. U R B A N farming F A R M I N G, and that's on Instagram and that's on Facebook as well. Uh, also, that's my Gmail as well. 
Uh, also, my website. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's all that. Uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, you want to donate to what I'm doing. Uh, my Venmo is also at her Heyru Urban Farming. Also, my uh, cash app is Heyru Urban Farming. <laughs> and PayPal. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. And, uh, and yeah, when we're able to travel more, you know, I got to go out to St. Louis. We got to, got to have you out here. Um, and yeah, sounds like you're doing big things. By the time I get there, you'll have a bunch of goats. Oh whatnot, man. So. Yeah. That'd be cool. Hey, if you come this year around August, man, you got to get the best, the best watermelon you ever taste come from me. And I'm, I'm, I'm stunting on it right now. <laughs> uh, if I don't know nothing else, I know about them watermelons. So, uh, I, I got, I got six varieties. Uh, well, seven or eight of them now. So I got my favorite moon and stars. So I got moon and stars. I got Jubilee. I got strawberry. I got Carolina. I got black teal. I got desert king. Uh, crimson. Everybody know about crimson. That's the that's the your traditional white and green striped one. Uh, I got cantaloupe too. But come try some of this watermelon, man. <laughs> oh man, now I want to. I really want to. Uh, I don't think I've had most of those. All right, I, I, if so, I didn't know the name, but. <laughs> I didn't know there were that many kinds of watermelon, frankly. Oh, uh, man, there's a lot. There's thousands of, thousands of, of varieties, man. Yeah, yeah. My favorite moon of stars, though. Yeah, yeah I've heard right, that right. before. I've never been that lucky with it, but I need to take tips from you. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> my my largest watermelon last year and ever, it was a Jubilee. It was 44 pounds. Uh, my largest moon of stars was 33 pounds. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I average at like 12 pounds. Like, you know, that's my average. That's uh, amazing. We, it was the largest watermelon. I always got sweet watermelons. It was the largest I grew last year. And I call them miracle watermelons because it was COVID. I ain't had no water. Uh, I was hand watering everything out of two 250 gallon. Uh, me and my workers was putting them in um, gallon milk jugs and going up and down the rows, watering them until they germinated. And I, that, that worked the crap out of me. But it was a good result. And um, I definitely reaped what I sowed. Yeah. Fields theme music is by Sam Tyndall. Our amazing producing engineer at Heritage Radio is Liam Werner. Fields is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio and at Fields Podcast. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>